This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that isn't even slightly hungover, I promise, from our New Year's celebrations. I'm Scott Phillips and with me is a nearby Mahanti. G'day, Doc. G'day, Captain. Happy New Year. Happy New Year and Happy New Year to our listeners as well. Now, for full disclosure, we are wishing you Happy New Year from last year. We've time-travelled. 2019 is hopefully okay. Hopefully nothing horrible has happened and uh, the markets are shut down or, you know, something weird is, is going on. But in theory, from this far out, 2019 looks like it will be a pretty good start. We'll assume the first four days have been good. And we're coming to you on January 4 or thereabouts, depending on when this goes live, on your podcast feed. But Happy New Year. We didn't want to leave you over the Christmas New Year break without some foolish goodness. Mm-hmm. And so, as always, we've only missed one podcast when I was crook, which I'm still cut up about, Doc. If I could time travel back, we would have pre-recorded or something. That's okay. I hate the fact Some, we sometimes it. those things happen. But we have never, we have never missed a week it, that was under our control. I was in hospital for those who are new, so I couldn't literally get out of the, the bed and, and record the podcast. Though we did try, um, so we've we've hit every week. We do love to bring you something every single week, and other than that one week, we have, and we are still doing it. So happy New Year, Doc! Before we get into the the, the program for today, any New Year's resolutions? Uh, no, I'm not. I sprung a, this on you. Sorry, I, dude. I, I'm not a New Year's resolution kind of person. You're not a New Year's resolution. No, kind I of am person. so because you know they're, they're meant to be. The broken. old ones are good enough. Well, they're all meant to be broken. So. <laughs> <laughs> there is so, that. So I, I said, yeah, no, no New Year's resolution. E- every day is a New Year. <laughs> oh, there we go. That's, that's I like that approach. I like that approach. You're not even going to give me a regular kind of, you know, quit smoking, lose weight, get fit. Uh, well, you're, well, you're, a fit, you're a fit man anyway. You well, eat well. You well, don't have to lose weight. Well, if, if I had to make a New Year's resolution, <laughs> which, you know, to get you off uh, oh. that pixel into an iPhone. Mate, speaking uh, swing of, of New Year's resolution going to be broken, you'll absolutely have no chance of that yeah, one. Uh, That's or, not happening you know, in 2019. You know, one of those good things, you know, getting you a real computer <laughs> instead of that one, getting come a on, real watch. On. and You know, th- those sort of things. Oh, but, come on. but that would not be new. I've been trying that uh, for a while. Um, There's got to be something else you can go with, surely. Surely. Uh, this sounds more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I'm not a resolutions bloke either, I've got to say. You know, it's one of those things where, I don't know, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of torn on them, right? I think they're a gimmick. I think that we all talk about them. We all should do them, all that kind of great stuff. Um, I, I, just, I just wonder that if by the end of the... The other, I, I worry. For, I wonder if we're missing out on the opportunity to, to change something, right? The whole idea of the new year, it does give you a chance to reset, think about things, think about what you want to change, do differently. I'm not a fan of the resolution as resolution, but kind of it's not a bad chance to kind of reset and restart. We kind of start our new calendar year. We'll measure our, our stock performance from January 1. We'll look at last year's performance, one trip around the sun. It's worth something, isn't it? Maybe. I mean, you know, one year. It's one year. I will say, for what it's worth, that uh, I always publish every, every I pub twice a year. For members of Motley Fool Share Advisor, a bit of a, a bit of a plug. I do publish the eleven New Year's resolutions again, mm-hmm. not because they're resolutions, just because they're a kind of a bit of a manifesto, and we use that as a good opportunity to do it. So if you uh, if you are going to join us, give us give us a look, maybe join up. You get access to it. I might even I might even share them on Twitter, just because I'm a nice bloke. You should do that. So go to at the Motley Fool AU. If I haven't by now, that's because I've forgotten mm-hmm. over the Christmas break. But remind me, uh, we will share the my, my Share Advisor eleven New Year's resolutions just for our Twitter audience. So if you're not on Twitter already, jump on Twitter at the Motley Fool AU. You can follow Anirban at Anirban Mahanti, A-N-I-R-B-A-N Mahanti, M-A-N-A-H. No, oh, I've lost it completely. M-A-H-A-N-T-I. T-I. Sorry, mate. I normally read that. I didn't this time and I got That's myself. Okay. gone. Or at TMF Scott P, which is me. And we'll do it from there. I did want to uh, – it, it, there's a kind of, a, you know, uh, the New Year's resolution idea, right? 
Um, I think they're, I think they're worth doing, on balance. Is it? As long as you don't make them gimmicky. Okay. Well, it's time, to, time to reflect and change. I like mm. the idea. No, it's good. You know, you get you get the vacation, you get Christmas, you get New Year, you have some time off, you can yeah, do some thinking. Just, just reflect, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I haven't convinced you, have I? No. <laughs> <laughs> get more Motley Fool money advice at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. All right, mate, let's get into the program. We are going to talk about one topic today, but a really important one. And this is a bit of a spoiler. We're giving away 10 stock tips. Oof, 10. 10 stock, five each. Wow. All right. There are, so here's, here's the thing, right? We, we thought we'd start the new, speaking of resolutions, speaking of fresh starts, we thought we'd start the year with a bit of a look into two different ways to invest. Now, if you've been a full listener, reader, member for any length of time, you'll have seen us talk about, write about, you've heard us talk about the, uh, there's two kind of broad ways to invest or two, two smart broad ways to invest. They're always long-term, of course, so mm-hmm. that, we'll assume that's taken for granted because investing for the short term is madness and it's speculation and don't do it because it'll cost you money. You can either get the market's return really easily or try and beat the market. They're kind of the two options available to you, right? There are products around called ETFs, exchange-traded funds, or you might hear them called index funds. They let you get access to a full index to basically get the market's return without lifting a finger. You buy those, you go fishing, go on holidays, go shopping, do whatever you're going to do, and you will get the market's return. Less, you know, a fraction of a percent for fees. But over time, we know that's been about 10% a year. That will make you incredibly wealthy if you can add a decent amount to it up front and then add regularly. It will almost certainly, no guarantees in investing, look after the rest. Over time, it's been about a 10% per annum return. That's enough to turn 10 grand into 300 grand over 30 years. And that's not even, that's even without investing any extra money. Mm-hmm. You could probably turn 10 grand with a start and a couple of hundred bucks a month or a hundred bucks mm-hmm. a week into a very, very, very decent seven-figure amount with a little bit of extra effort. So that's a, that's a really, really simple, easy, mm-hmm. idiot-proof way of investing. And that'll give you the market return. So that's one. The other way you can do it is you can try and beat the market. Now, mm-hmm. of course, that brings the risk of losing to the market, which means you get less money than you would if you just bought an index. But if you can beat the market by a couple of percent a year, the compound value of that is exponentially larger. So that's why we're in the business of trying to beat the market because we understand the value of that. If you can turn your 10% to a 12%, you'll probably triple or quadruple your end result. So even that extra couple of percentage points now really does compound into a nice, nice number over time. So those are the two ways to invest, we think, both long-term, as I said. And we're going to do a bit of both today, mate. Mm-hmm. So we are going to do... We're, so we're going to kind of try and cater to the, 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 the investor who gets the idea, who loves the concept of just buying an ETF because they just don't want to, uninterested, don't have the time mm-hmm. to invest manually, don't really want to do anything complex or difficult, don't want to try and beat the market, happy with a market return. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about ETFs and then our 10 stock tips. Cool. So let's get into it. Mm-hmm. Mate, the first thing, mm. how can I, here's a question that you mm. know is coming, how can I build a portfolio just with ETFs? What is the what is the lazy person's, the, bo- the busy person's, the uh, sensible person's mm. guide to building a portfolio with exchange-traded or index funds? That's a really good question. Thank and, you, mate. I, yeah, I, I love that question, actually. You come up so, with it, so that's probably uh, why. Of course. I love my own questions. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so, number one, I'll, I'll say something. Um, you know, 
the ETFs over mm-hmm. the last, you know, 20, 30 years have yeah. exponentially ballooned, right? Oh, so, I mean, initially, we had ETFs that just mimicked uh, the main market mm-hmm. indices, mm-hmm. right? So, whether it's the SX200 mm-hmm. or the SX300 or the old world, uh, you know, the, the total stock market of the Indexathon. world. And, and, right. But now we even have index indices that, you know, mirror certain themes. Can I say very quickly too, I'm glad to see indices. Yeah. Drives me mad in the financial media to wear indexes. I've probably even done it to start with, but <laughs> seriously, it's hard to remember. Yeah. Indices is a Yeah. So indices, I mean, but now you can invest in themes. You can invest in, um, you know, different sectors. Mm-hmm. So there are sector specific ETFs. So uh, the, at the very broadest level, mm-hmm. If you want broad diversification, then buying an ETF, uh, of course, achieves that sure. to some extent. Now, sure. now, if if I'll, I'll caveat this, so suppose <laughs> you buy an ETF that mimics the ASX 200, that gives you diversification to some extent, but you still what you're getting is essentially a large exposure to banks, miners, right. uh, insurance companies, and so on. So but this you, is where ETFs kind of break down, right? Yeah. I think this is for the longest time the Motley Fool. So we're 25 years older than the US. We've been here for about eight years. Seven years. The um, we've always said index funds are the way to go, mm. and I think we believe that when you want broad market diversification, low cost, you know, single touch, all that kind of good stuff, we believe in index funds deeply. Yeah, and broad index funds in particular. The problem for Australian investors, and we've talked about this many, mm. many, many episodes ago, the problem for Australian investors is you're not getting. So the, the benefit of index funds are a low cost and mm. b broad diversification. Right. You're just not getting that right in the Australian. You, know, you can't get in broad diversification in Australia, at least not by buying the ASX 200. That's correct. So, but but what you could do is you could say, well, okay, uh, if you realize that you're not going to get the broad diversification from buying the ASX 200 uh, mm-hmm. fund, yep. uh, then what you could do is you could say, okay, I'm going to invest, let's say, 40% of my uh, of my assets, as an example. Let's get to percentages later. I'm okay. going to get you to keep that aside. Okay. Just talk about the other options okay. available okay. to us, so and then, we'll build the portfolio. But the, yeah. So over over a period of time, a lot of different ETFs have been added to the ASX. Mm-hmm. So ASX now has ETFs that will allow you to buy the NASDAQ 100, which would give you um, the ex-financials, 100 biggest uh, non-financial companies on the NASDAQ index. That gives you overseas exposure. Mm-hmm. You can buy an ETF that gives you S&P 500, which is the 500 biggest companies in the US and um, on, on the US indices you can buy exposure to Asian markets you mm-hmm. can buy exposure to uh, the developing markets overall you could there are tons and tons and tons and tons of options so you can get diversification you can get and and, and as I said you can buy if you want to buy tech exposure you could buy you know, funds that have just exposure mm. to tech and so on. So, if you go to any of the major ETF providers, be it Vanguard, uh, iShares, mm. Beta Shares, uh, I don't know, there's so many others. And again, yep. we have no affiliation with any one of we these don't, guys. Correct. <laughs> um, but we do kind of like Vanguard, though. We, do, we love Vanguard. We're, kind of, we're partial. They were not for profit. They, they were yeah. the Jack Bogle, who started Vanguard, is the father of, of uh, index, index investing. investing. Oh, we are. All very, very, very grateful yeah. for his existence and passion. So I think you can achieve broad diversification. And and, and here's the thing, right? Depends on what you consider the market, right? Mm. If you consider the market to be the uh, the ASX 300 yes. or the ASX All Ordinaries, you can still try to beat that by getting a combination. It's harder to do, but okay. you could you could try that too. Like I mean, you know, there's a possibility that you may get it. It's always harder with when you have a basket of stocks, you know, and you, sure. you're not. Paying. But it is possible. Uh, it is theoretically at least possible to be not just the market and have something that's diversified, which gives you, you know, potential of beating the market as well. So. 
So, mate, you've given me a million options and about 14 different questions to ask you. So, I'm, go- I'm going to try and do that. There, mm. One of the things I hate about the ETFs in the, in the current guys is there are, there are thousands of them. Thousands. Everyone. So, ETF is just exchange-traded fund. Once upon a time, index fund was the only kind of market-based fund you could buy. It was, you yeah. know, when Jack Bogle started Vanguard, in fact, you couldn't even buy them mm. on the market at that point. You had to invest them off market. But when they first came to the market, there was a couple of – uh, ETFs, a couple of index funds you could buy on the market on the ASX. When I say on the market, I mean just, you know with the stockbroker on the ASX. Really simple, really easy, upfront, whatever. Since then, there's an explosion of. Them. I think there's more ETFs than stocks. If I'm not, uh, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> in the US in particular, there's six thousand ETFs and five thousand stocks. Something mm. stupid. Mm. Um, the problem, though, is there are so many. So most of the ETFs you should ignore. Mm. There are double leveraged bear mm. ETFs, and there are gold <laughs> yeah. something ETFs, and yeah. there's there's God knows what. So mm. the first thing we're not saying is we're not saying any ETF is good, yeah. or you should go and buy just pick an ETF and see how you go. You know, if you're going to do this for the purposes of avoiding stock picking, it is absolutely because we want you to buy broad. ETFs that are massively diversified, that give you the market return without having to try too hard, mm-hmm. and you can set and forget. The double leverage bear ETF is going to lose money over time, and all mm-hmm. that. It's just, it's just a, it's a debacle. So, um, I, I'm not that. I'm not giving advice on that particular product, of course. Just generally speaking, all of those kind of you know active ETFs, if they call them, unless you particularly love the strategy, it's kind of almost quasi stock picking by the time you're picking an yeah. ETF on that basis. Yeah, you, you need to really know what's going on, and you need to understand what this constituents right, are, which right, makes exactly. it hard, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. Now, so speaking of that, though, mm. uh, I've I've kind of come down that 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 uh, mm. long run with a very particular reason because part of what you've just told us, mate, is if you have a particular view, you can do this or you can buy these mm. ETFs. That's kind of getting similarly close to kind of active-ish investing, right? You're kind of making bets, you're taking positions, you're you're choosing investments based on particular themes or theses or approaches. Which is kind of not exactly double bear ETFs. It's not exactly picking single stocks, but it's mm. kind of placing bets on on certain outcomes, which aren't exactly purely index ETFs. That, that is true. So tell me, tell me a little yeah. bit more about. Well, let's let's go both paths. So yeah. let, let's start with. Well, we'll start we'll start constructing a portfolio because we don't want to mm. take this on for too long. If you're going to build a completely passive ETF based portfolio. Mm-hmm. What would you include in that portfolio? Okay, so I'll answer that by and, and I'll, I'll 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 give the rationale here in terms yeah. of. So I think you can do, you know, if you're just not doing anything, you just buy the ASX um, 200 equivalent or whatever, 300 equivalent, the, right. you know, um, the, and and then you'd get the market return, right? Yes, yes. But if you have a view on the world, right, all yes. you need to have is, is, and in this case, that's what ETFs, I think the simplest ETFs allow you to have a view on the world mm-hmm. and allows you to invest, um, you know, part of that view of the world. And, you know, yep. you can you can sort of, so you can try to make a portfolio that, you know, mirrors what you like yep. or what you think the world should be or what the world is going to become, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is which is different from knowing individual finances of the companies and understanding intricacies of the growth and things like yep, that, right? Yep, yep. So that's a higher level take. So one of the things, if, if I take that view, then I would say that, you know, um, so there is an ETF called like STW, ASX STW, which yep. gives you ASX 200. Mm-hmm. Instead of that, you could go for the ETF that gives you ASX 300, which I think is VS. VAS, correct. VAS. So, th- so I would put, you know, maybe 30% of, 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 if I, you know, again, this is general advice. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, hypothetically speaking, I'd put 30% uh, of the money there. What that allows you to do is it gives you access to, in small percentages, um, to the smaller companies on the ASX, maybe right. the more disruptive companies. Right. Those companies, over time, if they become bigger, they become part of the index. And you get sort of, you benefit from their growth as well over time, mm-hmm. you know. And, and, and we, we see that all the time, right? New companies come into the ASX 200, then they yep. move on, yep. go to the ASX 100, old guys 
guys move out, right? Yep. So you, you you get to play with that. So that's one. The other theme that I really really think is interesting, especially from from our point of view in Australia, is is China, mm-hmm. right? And the overall, you know, the Asia accounts for what like more than half, if you consider India, China, Indonesia, and all these countries, right, right, right. more than what half of the world's population. Astonishing, right? right? Astonishing and huge opportunities, huge growth, um, and very different situation because of the way they, they're you know they're treating infrastructure, mm, right? So they, mm, you know mm. they're you know going from from a developed country or you know for us as a developed country versus them where they're you know developing country they have very different issues, mm. right? That has resulted in their tech advancing in very different ways. Mm. So one ETF that I really like is uh, the Asia ETF. Okay. Which is from beta, sh- beta shares, mm-hmm. and that ETF allows gives you exposure to fifty, I believe, the fifty largest tech companies with an Asian focus, right? Okay. Excluding Japan, right? So it excludes basically exclude basically excludes the developed market, right, 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 right. And and I would put actually, and right now to me it appears that that is one of the, you know it's it's because of all these trade wars and so on mm-hmm. and so forth, it, it appears relatively cheap. So I'd, buy, I'd put another thirty percent of my money there. Interesting. Right? And then I would put the remainder in um, in the Nasdaq 100 ETF, okay. which is uh, NDQ, which would give us exposure to uh, essentially the U.S. tech non-financial sector. You know, because if you were invested in the ASX mm, 200 mm, or mm. the ASX 300, you've got mm. enough financial exposure, anyways. But you get a lot of high-quality tech exposure. That, that that would be a portfolio which I would, you know, if I had to make a guess, would probably do better than. The ASX All Ordinaries. All right. So go th- go through those three investments and the and the weightings of each just quickly. Yeah. So NDQ, which is yep. the Nasdaq 100, I'd put forty percent. Forty percent in the Nasdaq. Yeah. I would put thirty percent on Asia. Thirty percent in Asia. And I would put thirty uh, percent on VAS, which is the ASX 300. There you go. You've heard it here, fools. I think that's a very, very sensible approach, Doc. I'm going to challenge you, though, and say that that's a bit too active for a passive portfolio. Mm-hmm. You're kind of making bets on tech. You're making bets on Asia. Mm-hmm. Is that really a passive ETF portfolio or is it an active ETF portfolio in your mind? Well, I mean, well, the Nasdaq 100 is passive, right? I mean, it's, it's a passive. But you're passive. weighting it specifically to the, to the active yeah. kind of outcomes you're looking so for. So as, right? as I you're said, you're making bets yeah, on I am outcomes. making bets based on what I think the world would look. Yep. That, and it, it is not a pure passive. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, but you know, that's an advantage. You, you can do that even today with the ETFs. And ETFs true, are true. enabling you to do that. So true, I'm taking true. advantage of that. I'm I'm going to take a slightly different tack, mate. I don't actually disagree with you. I think um, I I've certainly recommended for my own sister that she and she has uh, bought units in the Nasdaq ETF. So I'm certainly on board with that. Um, I, I I expect you're right. I expect that will beat the market. I will say though to our listeners who are looking for something a bit more passive, if you're thinking about well, I don't really want the volatility. I don't want the ups and downs. I don't have to bet on Asia winning or Nasdaq winning or anything else. Um, to your point about you know what are you trying to beat or what is the index? I think that's a really really good question. If I was going to take a purely passive approach, if I was going to say to somebody, you're going to add X dollars a month to these things, just do it for the rest of your life, not worry about it. Or if you know, for, for, the, for the long term, not worry about it. I think those are very, very decent approaches. I would say for what it's worth, uh, I would probably have a little bit less of my money exposed to international markets in terms of the impact on both the volatility, but also currency. So you're kind of taking a, you're not, you're not actively taking a bet on currency, but you're exposed to the result of those currency movements. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's very reasonable, by the way, and completely fine. But um, just, just to take a different perspective for what it's worth, I, I said I would happily, in fact, I want to say our MDP might own even all three of those, or certainly two of those three. So I, I'm definitely a fan of those, mm-hmm. in, those investments you've talked about. I'm going to take a slightly different tack, though, and just say if you want to take a more vanilla approach to ETF construction, mm-hmm. I would do simply make two investments, mm-hmm. 
Uh, and those two are the same VAS you talked about, mate, the ASX 300 that largely represents the Australian market. Mm-hmm. And I would add to that the GS. These are both ASX traded securities. VGS is the world, excluding Australia. So effectively, on one hand, you're getting Australia. On the other hand, you're getting everything else. Now, it's developed world only. So 50%? Not, not developing. No, well, here's what I'm going to get mm, to. Okay. So those are, the, those are the only two investments you need to have if you want a purely passive portfolio. Now, mm-hmm. some people say, we'll just have Australia because you're in Australian dollars. And so if you're super, super mindful of currency, that's fine. I think the currency uncertainty is more than offset by the ability to avoid massive, massive um, exposure, frankly, to the mm-hmm. Australian market and the Australian uh, concentration, as you've talked about. Mm-hmm. Here's what I would do percentage-wise. The closer you are to retirement, the higher the percentage should be in Australian stocks for two reasons. One is because you don't want to be forced to sell if the currency is against you. Mm -hmm. And two, you probably are in a position where you can take advantage of fully franked dividends and you're probably looking for an income stream of sorts. So if I was was going to say – and this is, again, we're stock pickers, right? So I'm actually not suggesting people do this. I actually have better ideas, Mm. which I'll go through in a minute. Mm -hmm. But if you are a purely passive investor, you like the idea of doing something simple, you want to recommend it to your auntie or to your brother-in-law or something, and again, we shouldn't – do that specifically to those people because you want to get some advice. We're not giving personal advice here. But broadly speaking, the closer you are to retirement, the higher the weighting I would have and the Australian uh, portion of that and the lower the weighting I'd have on the international portion. If you are under 40, I'd happily have 70% of my that portfolio in the all-world ETF. VGS is the code. I think 70% is perfectly fine. Many, many years to retirement. I expect that portfolio to do very well. And again, remember, 98% of the world's capital markets are outside Australia. So kind of technically, if you have more than 2% of your portfolio on Australian stocks, you are overweighted on, on an index basis to Australia. Um, and so over the long term, I think you want to have more of your portfolio outside the country than in. By the time you get to 55, 60, you probably only want 20% of your portfolio outside Australia and the rest inside Australia, particularly, as I said, if you can take advantage of those franking credits and if you are worried about the impact of currency volatility on your portfolio. Matt, I'm going to interject. I will turn this, in, tur- turn this into a little bit of a game for you. Oh, here we go. Okay. So I've picked percentages. Yes. I'm going to just assume that your percentages are 70% for um, um, VAS. Oh, so it depends. Depends what age well, group but, we're talking but, about. Let's assume you, the forty, the forty age group. All right. And well, I said uh, no. I said under forty was seventy percent VGS. Uh, so under forty, seventy percent international, thirty percent Australian. Okay. So uh, I'm going to put V. Uh, I'm typing his computer here. Yeah. So I'm going to put seventy percent for VAS. Yeah. And no, 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 no. Seventy percent VGS. Which is the world worldwide. Global, correct. Okay. And thirty percent for, for VAS, which is the Vanguard Australian ASX yes, 300. Okay. All right, let's assume that is yes. your portfolio. Yes. And you're going to lock that in for the next five years. I'm not I'm not suggesting it's going to beat yours. My suggestion yeah. was if you're going to be pretty passive, let's, let's that's just let's have a look. Let's see what happens. Okay, we'll track <laughs> no, I would, it. I, would, I, I will track if it. If I was a betting you. man, no, if I was a betting man, I'd bet on you winning. That, that's okay. what I'm saying. This is not a okay. this is not a case of which do we think is going to do better. Okay. To my mind, this was I wanted to give a different counterpoint to yours, so, which is if you want a purely passive portfolio that gives you broadly index returns, then that's what I would do. I, I just think it's going to be interesting to just see what's going to happen. It will Let, let's, let's just have a look. It will indeed. Yeah, I'll, I'll tweet the pictures. All right, deal. Okay. Motley Fool Money. Financial advice for real people, not trust fund hippies. Sign up for the newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Now, mate, we've, got, we've actually talked a very long time about that. We've set it up nicely, in theory, so that's, that's, I'm going to pretend it's nicely so I feel better about ourselves. <laughs> we are going to – we promised mm. 10 stocks, and we can't avoid those. The 10 doesn't even include those indices. Mm-hmm. We are going to give our listeners 10 stocks, five each. Mm-hmm. That, And we're going to – a little bit of a competition, to your point. You've already kind of given away some of the lead on that one. We're going to have a competition over five years, mm-hmm. as we're long-term investors, as we've said many, many times. But we will check in 
this time next year and see who's ahead, yep. who's got bragging rights. If I'm ahead by then, I may pretend I said it was a one-year race all the way along. So we'll just, I'll, I may change the rules. But for now, it's a five-year race. If you're winning by then, it'll be 10 or 15 years. Um, and we will see who does best. Okay. Since we're on the air, let's, yes. let's add, I'll add one more caveat rule. Okay. If a company of yours that yeah. you recommend oh, yeah. gets bought out yes. or has received an offer to be bought out. I win the prize. You get to replace it with another oh, one nice. of your choice. Okay. 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 Um, I like that. Otherwise, otherwise it's, if it goes to, oh, and if it goes to zero... Yeah, yeah, you get to replace it with something else. <laughs> or actually, you shouldn't get to replace. No, 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 no. If you get goes well, to zero, it goes we'll to zero. Probably, goes what, to we'll, zero. what we'll probably do is we'll probably give our listeners a new idea. Yeah, but I won't, we won't be allowed to uh, replace it because your money. Yeah, is not you zero. can't exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly. So we'll probably yeah. give you a bit. Good listeners, we'll give you a new idea because we're all about actionable advice. Yeah, but we won't we won't fudge the results. Yeah, okay. But if Mate, it, yeah. I'm going to let you go first. All right. I've done mine in alphabetical order because I'm a bit that way inclined. You haven't. That's okay. I haven't. No. I Hit haven't. me with your first of five. Okay. Five-year outperformers. I, I've written this. I'm going to go from backwards <laughs> to forwards. <laughs> no, it's okay. Mixing okay. it up. Uh, mixing it up. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you three ideas from the ASX, and I'm going okay. to actually use two international ideas. Oh, interesting. All right, good. All right. I've so, gone one out of five, as it turns out. So okay. let's, let's see what we've got. Okay. So I'm going to pick one, Kogan. Oh, the online electronics the, slash everything retailer. Slash everything retailer. That's in a, in a lot of news for uh, Russell and Kogan sell, <laughs> selling his shares. Yes. But I think uh, that's, that's I think it's got a secular t- tailwind. So you love that word, secular like tailwind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I like that. I'll pick Kogan as one. Um, I should say I'm not really a tailwind investor, generally speaking, but if I can find them where I like them and like the business, I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah, and this is a good, you know, I think it's a good business and, and I think it's got good prospects. So I, I like it. It's, it it's a maybe, and, and all it's of a mine. higher risk, right? All of mine are going to be high risk. Oh, okay. All five I would call are high risk. And there's investors. probably a point here we should add about buying a portfolio of stocks. Don't just pick one you <laughs> like and expect it to do well. Yeah. I, if, I'm a, if I'm a betting man, Doc, I'm going to say I reckon you, you expect two or three out of these five to actually lose to the market, maybe even lose money. Yeah. But the other to do pretty well. Yeah, is that yeah. fair? Yeah, that's fair. Okay. That's fair. Yeah, well, I think the combo here should do well. And we have, again, it's all equal weight we are thinking, right? Yeah, yeah, so it's yeah. a, just for fun. So it's just, just for fun. And nobody would build a five, you know, uh, some people may, but, you know, I wouldn't ever suggest you build a five uh, uh, stock portfolio. Okay, right. go, going you on to the next. You could add a 10 together, though, maybe. Yeah, yeah you could, yeah, and, and a 10, and we've got 10 different ones. Yeah. Well, except it's going to be uh, nine, right? Because uh, we'll yeah, okay, okay. We'll, we'll, come, we'll come to that. Okay. My first idea yes. is a little company people may have heard of, a small, discreet little business that run by a bloke no one's ever heard of called Warren Buffett or something. Oh, very um, small. It is my largest position, as I've said many times, full disclosure. Uh, I think a cornerstone position of any investor's portfolio should be Berkshire Hathaway. You do have to buy it on the New York Stock Exchange. It does require you, as Doc will talk about in a sec, to go to the international exchanges, open up a brokerage account with, say, an Options Express or something like that. Or Charles Schwab, they're now called, I should Charles say. Charles Schwab. Um, which I've got. I think you, you were Schwab as I've, well. I've got the same, yeah. So, look, you know, it, it, it's an extra bit of tape work. We get it. Uh, Doc's got some great US ideas. Berkshire Hathaway, I think it's just, it is the cornerstone stock for anyone's portfolio. Really high quality business, high quality manager. Uh, even buying Apple recently, so Doc will even give it the tick of approval. Yep. Berkshire Hathaway, B-R-K-B or dot B, depending on your broker, is the code. What was the code for Kogan, man? ASX KGN. KGN. All right. So Berkshire, B-R-K dash or, or dot B on the New York Stock Exchange is my first idea. What's your second one, Buck? Okay. I'm going to pick a company called Premium. Prime, premium. Is that, okay. Not premium, premium. P-R-A-E-M-I-U-M. God, I hate made-up names. Yeah, it's, it's a made-up name. Yeah, the name is not, not that <sighs> fancy. Code is ASX-PPS. Yes. And what they do basically is they, they have, essentially they provide a software platform to, you know, 
advisors, right. financial intermediaries who you know manage money for others. It's basically what they call the independent platforms. You know, mm-hmm. this is I think the Royal Commission has highlighted the risk of the big. Um, wealth managers yes, doing all be, sorts of crazy bad things. Not being <laughs> <Yeah>. pretty. <laughs> not being pretty. IWF so, has lost a couple of senior executives in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, so I think, you know, the the independent platforms overall has been attracting a lot of the inflows, yep. of the fund money inflows. They're, they're small relative to the total amount of money in the super pool. Mm-hmm. And the thesis here is relatively simple. They are getting a large and large, larger and larger chunk of the inflows. And this market is overall continues to grow over time mm-hmm. and you know i think this this trend should continue and i think premium should enjoy the benefits of that premium uh, PPS. premium asx pps nice so. one mate i'm gonna the rest of mine are from the asx as well the f- next one i'm gonna go with and i i've absolutely so the, the first two stocks in my list are the two i have the highest concentration of in my personal portfolio you can't be accused of not eating our own cooking um the company is corporate travel management ctd is the code not ctm that's Centaur minerals ctd is the code the company is corporate travel management um one of the best run businesses on the asx in my view despite recent short selling allegations um remains to be seen maybe those allegations are proven true there is no certainties on the asx jamie ferris the ceo there does a really really good job really strong organic growth they've acquired well paid good prices uh remains a very very um high quality play and a very fragmented industry plenty of opportunity to take many many more percentage points of market share over time, grow as well, earns lots of great awards from its customers, really easy to use software. One of those companies I came across actually as a customer of it many, many years ago. So CTM, Corporate Travel Management, or CTD, is the code as my second idea. Cool. All right, my turn. Hump time. All right, my third one is a small software company from New Zealand, but listed okay. here in Australia. Zero. No, it's Ooh. a small one. Zero is a big one. Okay. So this could be the next... Well, it's New Zealand that are relative, right? Oh, that's true. <laughs> Sorry to our carry listeners. My apologies. All right, all right. Don't, don't, but they don't, have, don't just don't they, subscribe. They don't, I don't apologize. Unsubscribe. And, and, I and apologize. then Kiwis have some great tech companies. They've done really well. They've done really well. So the, the third one is a small software company called mm-hmm. Volpara Health Technologies. Volpara, okay. The code is ASXVHT. Ah, Volpara Health Technologies, VHT. And I get it. VHT. I get it. Okay. And they provide software that helps with breast cancer screening. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. There's there's some really cool tech here. I like that. They are uh, growing very fast off mm-hmm. a very small base, of course, in the US. They're so pretty much tiny, right? They are of, very tiny. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, they if if at the end of this this financial year for them, which would be sometime in March, they they expect to be at a nine million dollars wow, um, New Zealand. Right. Uh, <laughs> that's smaller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, although not that much small. Uh, um, recurring revenue, annual recurring revenue. Okay. Um, so it's it's small. They would have nine percent penetration at that point of okay. the U.S. Um, screening market. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I, I really like the technology of the company. I really, really like the growth. It's growing like at about one hundred fifty percent plus. That's, that's pretty fast. fast. Yep. And you know they've got some really cool technology founder-led business a lot of insider ownership really love this business again we have recommended this mm-hmm. multiple times mm-hmm. at extreme opportunities uh, i personally actually own this sh- own the stock as well uh just for disclosure purposes mm-hmm. so yeah um that'll be my third pick very good mate vht is the code valpara health technologies my third one is one we've heard about just before from doc so it's kogan i'm going in alphabetical order mm-hmm. um i won't say much more about it other than it is high risk. It is massively beaten down. It's growing customers at 40% a year. If it can maintain anything like that pace, the stock is cheap. Maybe it can't maintain that pace, of course, and the stock ends up being expensive. Um, I think it is going to do very well from here. 
Cool. Let's move on. All right. My next two are from the US, and okay. I'm going to pick a smaller one first. Okay. Um, it's a company called MongoDB. 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 That which, sounds like a bizarrely sounds, constructed name. Tell yeah, me about so it. It's basically a database company, right. but it provides a different type of database. So, you know, traditional databases are relational. They have, you know, rows and columns, a fixed number of rows okay. and a fixed number of columns. So, think about Excel, right? A1, yeah, B5, exactly. D, D, D15. Sort of that. Yeah, okay. These guys provide essentially a a database yep. which has you know which is basically unstructured so you can have one you know you can have multiple rows with right. the number of columns could vary and and okay. that allows you to design new types of applications process today's data and they're growing like a weed okay and uh, your companies you know the new new generation of applications love them um, machine learning ai all, all that sorts of, of stuff. stuff yeah again fast growing business powering so. the data revolution pardon data revolution and what i really like about this company is that it's in an area where the incumbents like for example oracle are you know slow moving behemoths and this is a disruptor trying to disrupt in that space it sort of fit, fits in nicely with my uh, with my theme mm-hmm. of investing um, again i like this i own the stock and yeah so that's that's my fourth one i heard a great comment on a podcast this morning as i was driving in and i won't do the whole thing justice but uh one one of the regular concerns or criticisms and i've i've done this before by the way about it not 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 about mongo in particular just about disruptors in general is yeah but what what happens when the big guys decide to put the little guys out of business mm. and the comment on the podcast it was the um Invest like the best podcast, I think, this morning. Uh, the interviewee was saying, yeah, but how often does that actually happen? Yeah. Once, once, a, once a disruptor hits what he called escape velocity, and I, I, I apologize, I can't give him full credit because I don't remember the guy's name, but you can look it up. Um, once, you know, once it hits escape velocity, once it's big enough to kind of have it work under its own steam, how frequently does the disruptor then get destroyed by the incumbent versus the reverse? And I think it's something worth keeping in mind. Mm-hmm. Again, we know investing is a probability game. Uh, I don't know anything about MongoDB, mate. You know the tech way better than I do. Um, but I will say to myself and to, to others listening, um, it's easy to kind of think, well, when Oracle gets its act together, then it'll destroy MongoDB. And maybe it does. Uh, but the number of times that happens is remarkably small compared to the concern or risk that many investors apply to that sort of situation. Yeah. My fourth is, speaking of the US and speaking of your tech mm-hmm. ideas before, I really do like, and I said this before, I recommend it to my sister, the NASDAQ 100 ETF. I think that tech has a long way to go in shaping our world. We talk about disruptors. Mm-hmm. The biggest tech companies aren't even disruptors anymore. They're the ones making the rules rather than breaking them. Um, these are the Amazons, the Facebooks, the Googles, the Apples, the Netflixes, the um, insert company name here. Um, these are the businesses that are truly designing the world we are living in. They are big. They are growing really fast despite that size. Um, these are really, really impressive businesses. And I think, uh, frankly, if you look at some of the valuations of them, they're in the teens and early 20s. For, for the growth they're getting, the size they are, the dominance they have, uh, I, re- I, I think, you know, it, it's – if you don't – I own some tech directly. I own Amazon and Google, again, for full disclosure. Um, but I think the NASDAQ ETF is just a really, really smart addition to most people's portfolios. And this one you actually can buy in the ASX. So while it's a NASDAQ ETF, NDQ is the code on the ASX. And so I think that's one you definitely want to jump into. Mate, I'm going to go back for a second because I've got to ask you, what is the code for MongoDB? Oh, right. I forgot. So it's, it's on NASDAQ and the code is MDB. MDB, MongoDB. Okay, MongoDB. good. Nice one. Mate. Last but not least, right. what have you got for us? Okay, so I'll, I'll say that. Drum roll, here we go. <laughs> I am going to say pick Tesla. Oh, that's a surprise. It's, it's my, as I said, my largest. Hands up, listeners, if you were surprised by that. <laughs> largest personal holding. And I think, you know, a couple of things here. Again, it's you know, it's a disruptor in this category. It is. Uh, people have been saying that, you know, the other other manufacturers are going to make cars and they're going to roll over Tesla. Well, it doesn't look like it's happening. It looks like they have no clue of what they're doing. And uh, again, it's just in the traditional thing that, you know, 
the disruptor disrupts and the others just watch and they don't really know how to respond. That's part of it. But I think there's another thing that people miss out. I think a couple of things. Um, there's a lot of misinformation around Tesla's opportunity in um, in autonomy. And I think Tesla is miles and miles ahead. You know, it's 1.2 billion. Autonomy being self-driving, Self-driving. Right? 1.2 billion miles of data has been accumulated by Tesla mm-hmm. thus far, and it's the only one that's well, all those All those crashes might have to have some data, surely. Yeah, exactly. All the crashes are helping it, right? But, you know, it's autopilot. It's constantly right, being improved. Right, right. That's one. The other thing... You're I supposed think, to have that many crashes, which is also true. And, and the second thing I think that people miss is its opportunity, which is possibly bigger, is in stationary storage. Right, so these batteries. This is batteries and power, you know, power walls. So and when we say to you, how big is the car market, Doc? You say to us... It's... It's you not know, a car company. It's, it's, a, a, it's an energy. It's, a, it's, an, it's an energy company. I've heard that a few times. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an energy tech company. Yep. And and I think that's what people right, are missing. Right. Totally, totally. And yeah. So. Very good. I should say, by the way, mate, we are we need to wrap this up quickly because we're about to go and test drive a Model S, and we're going to be late. Hey, you're going to buy one. We've had, no, I'm not going to buy one. <laughs> so you, why you test drive? You got a deposit down for a Model Three, though. Which I is, do have a deposit for Model Three. So we'll uh, we'll, we'll you know, the reason we're test driving the Model S is because you went to the showroom and they thought you were interested, so they decided to talk us into a test drive, <laughs> which I'm happily going to take. Right, and and <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised at all if I bought a Model Three at some point in the future. Mm. But uh, neither of us are buying. Buy this. Buy this. I'm not going to buy this. Dude, I've, I've got, I haven't got that much money or that little sense. More importantly, my wife wouldn't let me. So You have to make, pick one more stock, right? I do? Yeah. Treasury Wine Estates is okay. the name of the company. Oh, sorry. So the Tesla code is TSLA on the NASDAQ. That's right. Uh, Treasury Wine Estates is my recommendation. It is the name or in front of, behind, Penfolds, Lindemans, Wins, and a whole lot of other wines you may or may not have heard of, including a whole lot of US wines and some European, a few European wines which is making massive, massive inroads into Asia. You talked about the Asian opportunity before, Doc, in terms mm-hmm. of tech. Um, this is the Asian consumption opportunity. We know Australian companies are doing big business overseas in Asia in general and China in particular. Asia remains a huge opportunity and the growth there, uh, Treasury is getting enormous, enormous growth when it comes to uh, volumes, but also prices. high price wines in Asia are just going bananas, as I said, in China in particular. I think that's a multi-decade long trend. There are going to be more and more affluent Chinese for a very, very long time to come. They are going to want to drink Australian wines in lesser or greater extents. Um, the sheer tailwind, again, to use that term, although I, I don't – again, I'm not a tailwind investor. I'm not a thematic investor. I am bottom-up for the most part. Um, but in this case, Treasury, high-quality business. High, I love a brand, uh, high-quality brands. Uh, we love them here in Australia. They love them in the US. They are increasingly loving them in China. Really, So that gives it a really good cash cow base business here. Gives it a really great opportunity to put more volume and more price into China in particular. And I reckon that means it's going to be a long-term outperformer. It won't, be, it won't have the volatility or maybe even the sky-high opportunity of Tesla or MongoDB. But I think a really, really strong one. And by the way, it's always nice to enjoy the products of a company you own. And you know, if, you like it, if you like the occasional tipple, you can sit back and drink the glass of wine of the company you own and maybe earn a little bit back for every bottle you consume. Buy some penfolds. There you go. Good idea. All right, fools. That's our list. You've got five from Doc. They are Kogan, Premium, Volpara, MongoDB, and Tesla. And from me, which were Berkshire Hathaway, Corporate Travel Management, Kogan again, the NASDAQ 100 ETF, and Treasury Wine Estates. We will check in on this list in 12 months' time. Unless I can convince Doc to forget about it if I'm losing. But if I'm winning, we will probably talk about it a lot. Uh, but don't forget, this is a five-year game. We made it five years deliberately because that's our investment horizon here at The Motley Fool, generally speaking. Um, but it's worth checking in, though. So we will check in and see how things have changed and maybe have a bit of fun along the way. Uh, but this is our five-year investment thesis. And we'll see just how our theses are unfolding. Maybe give you a bit of commentary. Hopefully, all 10 are still 
going strong by then. That'll be our, that'll be our, that'll be our, our, our foremost hope. As much as I'd love to beat Doc and he'd love to beat me, we're kind of hoping we both do pretty well because that means you're winning because you're listening to the podcast and maybe buying a stock or two from our list. Mm-hmm. Phil's happy new year. Let's hope that 2019 is very kind to us, both personally, professionally, and frankly, on the markets because we all like to make a little bit of money as we go. Hopefully, these 10 are part of that list. In the meantime, if you haven't already, if this is your first or maybe your third or maybe your 25th, but you haven't yet subscribed, please subscribe to the Motley Fool Money podcast on your favorite podcast app, whether that be Apple Podcasts or one from the Android universe. Do subscribe. Please give us a rating or a review if you like. We'd like that. You'd like that. Everyone would be happy with that. Consider it our New Year's. Maybe that can be your New Year's resolutions, Phil. So as you're listening, let's all collectively make a New Year's resolution to give us some stars. And maybe your rating or five a review. Five stars. Five stars. Or five. Okay. Yeah. I was trying to be a little bit subtle there. <laughs> There's no point. There's no, no point. No. no, no future on subtle. No, no nuance here. All right, give us give us five stars and also write us a review. You just make that the resolution. Do 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 the right thing by those who are doing the right thing by you. Uh, but uh, thank you again. Look, I, I I do jest. I mean, we are serious. It does help people find it. But more importantly, we do very much appreciate your time. We know you've got a million other things you can be doing rather than just listening to us rabbit on on a podcast. And the fact you're giving us some of your time, hopefully we're making that worth your while, both in terms of fun and, and maybe some, a little bit of education, some stock tips as well. We do very much appreciate it we don't take it for granted in the slightest until next week full on full on the motley fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned general advice only please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple m the motley fool operates under financial services license 400691